All right. Between the Game and Life podcast, I have Coach Todd Franklin on from Vincennes University. Coach, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate um, I appreciate you being here, sir. No, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be asked. Yeah. So, Coach, I like to un unpack it as we go, and then later on we will recap some of your um, highlights and lessons from the game. But one of the first things I like to ask people is just like their first experience with with the game of basketball and growing up, um, the um, love love for the game and how it developed. All the love of the game for me developed my, from my dad. Um, you know, I grew up in Central City, Kentucky, or Muhlenberg County, and um, basketball and coal were the only two things that were in the world. And uh, my dad was a, a basketball guy, and so I had a ball in my hand from the time I was born. And, you know, in, in the town, it was the biggest thing that there was in the world. They'd always been very good. And old coal mining community where, you know, uh, you were used to working and working at it and winning was important and losing wasn't tolerated. And uh, that was kind of my environment from birth. Gotcha. What was the time period that you were growing up in uh, Central City over the years? 1985. So I was born in 1967. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> gotcha. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, and so it, it's funny you said that you're from the from the coal mining um part but so when I was growing up my dad was pretty old school where like when you graduated high school you went you went and got got to work because he was from a small town where not a lot of people um, went to college and they definitely didn't go to college to play sports so he didn't really understand my drive to want to go play college sports but it seems like your dad was supportive of your love of the game of basketball and probably pushed you to play in college and beyond yeah he pushed me to play from the first day of my uh, was born i'm not sure what day he gave the ball to me but it was uh it was very early on in the process i can assure you so no i was always pushed to play um but i love to play so it, it, you know that wasn't the issue it was uh i was at a court all the time you know from the time i remember you know i had a ball in my hand i we had a court at my we had a goal at my house uh when i got old enough to go anywhere you know i played every park everything every deal you know um that you could possibly every different environment. Obviously, you know, we were in the gym all the time practicing. I mean, it was, it was a nonstop. So I didn't stop till I stopped. I mean, it was it just, it was the environment it was in. Yeah. Who were some of the players that you looked up to as you were growing up? Maybe some of those local, local heroes for you. I don't, I don't even know, really know if it was the local heroes, to be honest. We, um, Central City had always been really, really good. I mean, they had had like the, second most wins in the country when they closed the school up. But, we're, but right before I was coming up and my group of guys were coming up, uh, they kind of went through a little down period for the first time ever. So that community was was uh, starving for the next wave. And we were kind of the next wave of good guys that were coming up. So we they kind of watched us from the time we were about in the second or third grade all the way up to being that's going to be the next group of guys. Wow. So it was kind of a different, you know, environment there. But, you know, just basketball in general for us, because high school games were such a big deal then. I mean, every high school game was. It was packed gyms um, every night. I mean, it was the, the topic of discussion in town everywhere. So I don't know if there was any particular one because I didn't really come up in a period at our, our high school where we had, you know, the great one right in front of me. Um, but it was just the general idea of that, 
that this was the biggest thing that there was. And, and like I said, we were kind of the next wave, the next generation that was going to get them back to where they'd always been. So that was kind of the environment I grew up in. Yeah. Who were the, um, who were the biggest rivals that you guys had in high school? Well, back then, you know, we had seven teams in, in the one county just before consolidation. Okay. We were one of the last one. I mean, it was the old bastion, you know, the, the old, old school days. Um, and those things were all good. Um, you know, historically, Greenville used to be Central City and Greenville. That was the two towns that had, had decent size, um, you know, inside the county. They had been going at it forever. Everybody hated each other. It was the old true hate type deal. <laughs> Um, we'd had a lot of success over the years, so we were really hated. Um, and, you know, that was real. But us in Greenville, uh, when I was coming up, they had a good team again. And uh, Muhlenberg Central was uh, had, had a really good team at that time. They didn't have a tremendous history, but they had a really good team at that time. We played against the other, each other from the time we were little kids. I mean, we played three or four times a year at every level, you know, all the way from third grade through 12th grade uh, as well playing, you know, in a park and a thing, a deal, you know, get mad at each other, have, you know, game with a bet playing cross court on a Saturday, get the keys and, you know, no <laughs> stuff's going to happen. I mean, that, that had gone on from, you know, little kids all the way up. And, uh, you know, we, we lived in an unreal existence too, because you got, you got treated like your NBA guys. Right. I mean, you know, it was, it was the, it was all the, the movies you see, all the things you have, you know, Friday night lights, but basketball, it, it was all of that. And it really was, um, some of that was really good. Uh, some of that's probably bad. Um, but uh, you found out who can handle the pressure. I can tell you that because the, the pressure was there. Uh, you, had, you had to be able to handle it, love it, deal with it. Um, because expectations were really high on how you were going to perform. You played for the town. I mean, you you didn't play for your team. You played for the town. And right. the town let you know you were playing for the town. Well, that does sound crazy. But it also sounds really fun and exciting. Um, when did the so as, as you're going through your high school career, um, when did when did it first um, click for you that you would have the have the opportunity to potentially play um, beyond high school? I don't know. I mean, that that was we always wanted to do that, um, but I I don't know when it clicked. You're always just trying to do it, but you're you know, I, honestly the biggest focus was to win games, um, and then those things kind of happened you know, at the end, but it was not like now where every, everything now is emphasized on recruiting. Uh, there's not much on the team. There's not much on the deal, uh, of, of, you know, what you're doing for the community, the town, the team, et cetera. That was where the focus was then. Um, and you know, your high school coach had control. Um, you know, he was more like a, a mayor, yeah. you know, than, <laughs> And that, so your, your world was that it wasn't, you know, worried about going, what camps, what things, what deals, you know, uh, to see what occurred uh, for you recruiting wise, your, your thought process was getting your team good, being good, trying to be the best, the best player in, uh, in your district, your deal, you know, which was the, that was huge. You know, when I was a kid growing up being, being the, uh, the MVP of the district or, you know, your conference was, uh, such a big deal and held to such high esteem there that, that that's really where your thoughts were to be real honest uh, coming up. So the, the thoughts of all the other stuff really, really didn't play in nearly as much as it does now. Now that's, that's everything, you know, 
Yeah. Fast forwarding a little bit. And as a coach, when did you, when did you first become aware of that transition from like, you know, the high school level to all the exposure culture that we kind of live in today with the game? I don't know if there's a particular time, but you, but you definitely knew it was coming, especially being somebody like me that had come from an environment so different. You, you could see those environments gone and, and they were gone quickly. Um, but when I first broke into business now, you know, like I said, I'm older. Uh, it was still pretty old school. It was old school in college. There was old school ways of doing things. It was just, you know, I learned from the old school uh, guys on the road. Um, but, you know, the, the high school coaches became less and less important. You know, the, the, the power structure shifted. Um, but, you know, it's been everything is associated with that. I mean, when I grew up, for instance, everyone had stayed in their communities forever. So you had the hate. Right. You know, there and it was the biggest show in town. And, and now everybody's moved for jobs and left and et cetera. Um, and, you know, it, it's just not the same. So uh, you don't have the regional things. Everybody's watching the same NBA game or whatever. Um, that regional idea of that time uh, has changed completely. And, and as that changed, obviously, uh, you were going to change the shift in what was important because the high school games, unfortunately, became less important. Um, you know, I'm not a lover of the system. You know, it was to me, it was better when it was that that was the way it was. And then you, you started having the AAU programs were there, but they were just there really for, you know, month of July. You know, and it was what it was. That was the time for you to go out and do that because the high school stuff wasn't doing anything. They did theirs in June, you know, and it was a supplement to that. Uh, but the high school stuff was still the most important. That was probably the, the most effective uh, in terms of developing players, I think, at that time. Because if you don't have – if you're not playing for your team and you don't have a structure and you don't have somebody you're really listening to and you have to and there's all those things involved, there are some things really missing um that you know are missing now that uh you know as a coach we we have to fight and battle and try to figure out how to overcome because of the change and how things are done yeah even in the <clears throat> when i think about when i was growing up um i played basketball later in in my teenager years and so um a lot of my friends played in the summer, but they mostly played just for the love of the game, just because they just because they liked doing it. But I saw the shift um, later in my later in my high school career, and this is in you know the 2008, 2009, 2010 range when like YouTube started to become popular. And then I think that was the first time I'd, I'd seen like a highlight tape. And then you know with the with the advent of social media, and you know it seems like every high school or middle school kid that I see now has like their own highlight tape that they can make from their phone and they play AU. And um, I was, I was talking to one of my um, past guests who played at Kentucky and he was, we were talking about the, the um, drill culture is where, you know, you, you see a kid online and he's just in the gym doing drills. Um, when, when, you know, when I was growing up and kind of what you're growing up, you were always playing at the park or playing some sort of pickup instead of just being in the gym, doing, doing drills. Um but we did both. See, we did both. We had our honestly, we had practice year round. Uh, wasn't supposed to, I don't think, but we did. <laughs> and inside of that, you you did you learned the fundamentals and you worked the fundamentals and you worked the fundamentals to death. At least we did, and I think a lot of people did. Uh, 
And that was, you got that there. And then, you know, those of us that were, were serious about, you know, playing, uh, you know, the parks, you, you can get two or three different types of parks. You know, we had all the types of parks. You had the old guys in town that, you know, the bankers and guys that used to play that come play cross court or you, you go down the other side of the tracks and play, you know, or you go here, you know, I played everywhere. And, you know, you took those skills and those fundamentals and you, applied them and the old guys kept playing i mean the grown men played they never stopped playing so guys were playing from the time you know they were done in high school or college or whatever it was they they continued to play a lot of them until they were in their lower 40s at least and so you know you played with grown men um a lot and you know those games we played games for money we played games uh you know dust bowls were big uh but winning losing and there were so many people that played you know you if you lost you know, you may not play again all day. I mean, right. and, it, and only the good guys wanted to get with the other good guys so they could play and win, and you had to earn your stripes um, to get in there. Now, you know, I don't find very many cases now where the old guys still play. The park doesn't really roll like that anymore. Um, now, there may be some place, but that it's very limited. Uh, it certainly doesn't roll like that back where I came from anymore or, or most everywhere that I recruit or look around anymore. You don't find that to be the case. So I, I think the combination of all those things um, create a certain environment um, that, you know, when you take those things away, which have been taken away, uh, it's hard to duplicate, you know. And then when you get an environment, that environment also uh, was predicated on winning. You had to win. Right. I mean, you were a good player if you didn't win. If your team didn't win, you didn't get any accolades. <laughs> Right. Your team had to win. And here's one other thing that I say to people that I think is key and somehow we got to get back to. And that was if you were the best player and your team lost, it was your fault. Mm. It wasn't, oh, no, it ain't me, man. I'm good. Rest of these guys ain't. You know, I did mine. There was no I did mine. You know, I got mine. That didn't exist. Yours was you're supposed to win. Now, you know, if you were the best player, you know, you got the prettier girl, you got the things, you got the things, you know, you got more attention, you got all those things, but you also, which were, you know, probably skewed. But if you didn't win, it was on you. It wasn't on the other guys. It was on you. And it was your job to make sure your team was ready. And, you know, I think that's the environment we would really probably like as coaches. I think we'd all like to have that environment, right? Because that breeds, you know, the type of things that we'd like to see. But that environment has shifted, you know, tremendously. And, you know, and that is people leave. You know, like when, when I grew up, nobody was leaving anywhere. Yeah. You know, that was, that was your team. You had to make it work. You know, this is where you're from. This is who you had. This is what you were, right? Uh, the idea of picking up and moving or, you know, I don't like it. I'm here. I, you know, coach got on me. I'm off. I'm off to the next place or I didn't get enough shots. I'm leaving here. Um, or my team just isn't good enough. So I'm going to go get, you know, over this team so I can win. That didn't exist. If you're a good player. You had to make your environment work and you had to work with that environment. And, um, you know, so it's completely different. I mean, it, the, the differences between now and, and back in the day, whether you think they're good or bad are just immense. I mean, there's, there's, Sometimes I just shake my head. I can't believe it's all happened in one lifetime. Yeah. yeah. So for, for you, though, it sounds like you grew up in an area and a time where there was a real sense of pride, no matter what. Definitely as it relates to the game, 
you know, there was definitely a sense of pride you you took with you no matter where you went, where whether it was in high school, whether it was at the park, wherever. There is there is something, yeah, that you just carry with you, on and off the oh, court. It seemed like absolutely. Um, you, you know, in communities like that, in which those communities don't don't exist as much anymore, even in terms of the the culture of that. I mean, it was, you know, hard ankle, uh, coal mine and tough, you know, type of folk, right? That yeah. you grew up with. You know, it, it was it was people would always think it was like country. It wasn't really country. We were more like growing up in Pennsylvania in the mills or something, you know, that was more the environment to be at. Um, you know, just that alone breeds a certain, there's a, your, your pride and your shame are usually rooted and you have to have both. If you've got pride, you can have shame. You know, you got to be able to hit both ends. We've kind of eliminated shame now. Like, you know, no, nobody's supposed to ever feel shame. Well, that, it depends, right? You know, are you doing things that you should be ashamed of? In those days, you know, a lot of it was built on toughness. Your pride came from, you know, did you just did you display toughness? And it was it was defined pretty clearly what those things were, right? And your shame would come from, you know, not displaying those toughness things, you know, and 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 um, you know, not not showing up for your teammates, not doing those things uh, would certainly elicit some shame, you know, in the day. And, and it, it, you know, even if coach was, was, was trying to get on you or trying to make you do work or things, if you were a guy that acted like you couldn't do it, I mean, that was shame. You know, I'm, I, I can't be that guy. Everybody else has done it. You know, yeah. I'm not buckle under that. So there was um, just a lot of that. And uh, whether it's good or bad, it's certainly different, you know, guys are much more willing now i think to just kind of show that hey i can't do this or that's too hard or i don't like that or you know this isn't going well so i'm 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 going to kind of go over here and powder quit well you left your whole team hanging you know back in the day that just wouldn't have been okay you'd have gotten you'd have gotten killed by all the grandmas in town most less your own guys so right. it's just different yeah yeah that's uh that's a good point you bring up when you were talking about shame. Cause even as I think back to like my high school teammates, you know, I, I, I just felt a sense of shame. If, if, if there was a time where I didn't make the time for a suicide or, you know, when we do our conditioning drills, if you didn't make it around the, if you didn't make it around the track in the right time and everyone had to do it again, like that's a sense of, that's a shame and you don't want to let the team down in those regards. So I think that is a great, a great um, life lesson you already dropped. You, you've already told about, you know, just being able to show up for people and being able to be held accountable. I mean, I think, I think all coaches, but not, nobody wants people to feel, you know, live in a shame type of environment. So it's just like, it's a bad word now, but it, it exists. And like you said, the positive in it is if a guy feels that way when he should feel that way. And then he said, and then you show, well, here's what you do to make sure you don't feel that way. It's not all about winning and losing. It's about the attempt. You know, it's about sticking your nose in there, you know, uh, being willing to put yourself out there. And if you do that, then you, you should have an environment that's set up where that guy, even if he loses, uh, feels a sense of pride. He may not have an overwhelming joy, you know, because we had the victory, but he can have pride in what he does. But, you know, like I've said to people many times, if you're going to have a, a ability to have a feeling of pride, there is an opposite end of that spectrum. There just is. You know, you can't have pride without the without the potential of having shame, right? And if you have some shame, well, you got you know you got the chance to to turn that around and, and do things in pride. It's just put in the right context. Um, 
most of the things I think back in the day were in the right context. And then some of them were a little skewed things that you go back and go, ah, maybe that was a little too far, but, <laughs> but you know what? It, it, none of us got killed from it. I can tell you that. I mean, right. like we didn't, we're not sitting around the guys I played with. We're not sitting around having some kind of, uh, uh, we know we're not in therapy over it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But, uh, we're really not. I mean, we're old enough now we can kind of measure it and, there's not a whole lot of that I played with or played against that uh, are in therapy because uh, coach kind of set those lines in the sand. You know, that, that there may be other problems, but that wasn't usually uh, something that had a long-term deal um, and, and how things went. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's just a different environment now in a lot of ways. Um, somebody can judge it good or bad, but, it, but there's definitely been no question, huge structural changes. Yeah, absolutely. Getting back to your playing career, um, what was your college playing career like? Because um, looking at your bio from the Vincennes website, it looked like you played at Union and Brescia. I, I played two NAI schools. Um, uh, had a really good high school career. Graduated early. I was 17. Didn't turn 18 until late in the summer. Um, made college choices for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, went and stayed, had opportunities to do things you know, probably would be perceived as better. Uh, we had some things going on with my family, and uh, I chose to stay a little closer to home on the first one. And um, that just didn't, uh, you know, didn't go very well. Uh, it was a it was a choice that I shouldn't have made, and for the wrong reasons. And and I was the older brother and kind of involved in trying to keep things, you know, right. And I, and I have a perspective on some players, you know, and I try to pass that along from living that. Um, second place, you know, it was going pretty well. When I went to Union, it was going well. And then uh, I got hurt. Um, I hurt my foot bad. Uh, it still bothers me this day. And, um, you know, tried to play through it. Didn't, didn't really work. Um, you know, again, I, I, my, my experiences in college um, – were, were polar opposite than my experiences in high school. I thought my high school experience, you know, coming from a winning deal and um, all the things that went into it, I got to see what that really was. Um, the, the fabric that was made up and what you have to do to do that, the way I was raised up in it. Um, college for me, unfortunately, uh, in terms of playing, was, was more of living the opposite end of the spectrum. I got what I learned from that was these are things that I, I do not want to do when I coach. These are the things that I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't. And, but I, I kind of understood it when I was in it, which I can say now in the backside because I've had a lot of success as a coach. Yep. When I was a player, I, I really did look at this and go, this, is, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every player does that. A lot of times they're not right. Yeah. But I, and I tried to continue through it, but it was like, this isn't right. You know, I've, I've kind of came from a situation that was, was a, pretty much about the right things. And we've kind of done those things since. Uh, when I was in college, that that wasn't that wasn't my experience. You know, I started both places and was able to play, but it was just not um, the entire thing wasn't what I would have would have wished for. But that's fine, you know. And there was a lot of factors that went into that, and um, that that bothered me and disappointed me a little bit um, for a number of years. To be honest, you know, honestly, I I, I lived with some disappointment and some bothering and some anger. Uh, so, so when I deal with some of the players, I, I, I call on that, you know, over the years, and just what I do in Juco, where you're getting these guys first time through, they got to get through, they've got to make it. 
they haven't been able to get it all the way where it needs to be quite yet for whatever reason. Um, I'm able to call on some of those things that, that, that I went through at that time that, um, you know, things I wish I would have done differently and some things that, that were done to me that probably uh, I wish had been done differently. And so, uh, I, you know, I've utilized those over the years. So in some ways it was probably positive. Yeah. Um, as you were in, in the midst of your playing career in college, when did you first have a thought that maybe you would like to transition to coach? Oh, that was more in high school. Okay. Um, in college, my transition was, I, I, I don't want to coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I, seriously. Uh, in high school, it was, uh, that's probably what I would do, even though there was, you know, I was a pretty good student, uh, tested fairly well, you know, and there was, you know, push you to do other things. So I, I wasn't a thousand percent. I was going to go into coaching, but I always thought that way. You know what I mean? There was, I, I, I always saw that and saw that there was a probably a longer term for me. You know, I was a pretty good high school athlete and a pretty good athlete, but I wasn't, you know, NBA athlete uh, kind of guy. And I, and I was aware of that. I could compete with those guys and did and, and could play fairly well against them. I had a chance to do that in a lot of different environments, but you know, you, you know, I wasn't, uh, putting my ribs in the rim or, you know, and I was six, three, but I wasn't six, six or six, seven, you know, you, you get the picture, you know, I yeah. can play with my, am I going to make money at this rest of my life? I, I didn't, I didn't see that. That wasn't something that was in my mind, but that wasn't something that a lot of guys from where I was from was doing. So, you know, some of those things become more reality when they are. Um, so it was more high school. And then when I was in college, just because of some of the experiences that I went through that were not as good, um, you know, I kind of was pulling away from that. And, um, you know, I worked a lot of camps and did things, you know, and for whatever reasons, people thought I was halfway decent at doing that when I would get there. And some of the, you know, head coaches at different colleges around the country would um, kind of encourage me to be in this, you know, kind of a little bit. But I, I really didn't take it that seriously uh, until the very end. Um you know, like I said, I, I would always do that to make money and, and, and got an opportunity to work some really, really good camps, really, really good places in those days when that was more prevalent, you know, and it was a bigger deal. And um, had some guys that, like I said, helped me out and um, tried to try to put try to keep me in it a little bit. And so when it came time to make some decisions at the end on how I'm going to make some money, I had some opportunities and um, I chose that route. Um but there was a time when I, I kind of pulled away from it. Yeah. So going off from when you ended your playing college career and also going on your bio that says that you, you spent six years at um, Division II school, what was that time transition between, you know, graduating college and, and having your first uh, coaching stint? Well, I had no transition. I, I went from uh, from graduating – you know, I finished up after I was done playing. I went and finished up at Western Kentucky for a very, very short stint because it's right there by. You know, in those days, going to school was cheap. And there was there was a number. There was a few of us that had played against each other actually in high school. We're all the kind of same deal. We had guys that played football at Kentucky. We had a couple guys that go and played in the eye ball. A couple golfers. We we're all sitting around and said, "Hey, you know, we got a little bit of work left to do. Let's go have some fun and go to Western." You know, Western. And was uh, was one of the probably top 10 party schools in the country. And, you know, <laughs> we had a little bit of work left. Now let's go have a good time. You know, yeah. just being real, that was the that was the end. Um, 
you know, when I graduated, um, uh, I, like I said, I'd kept working camps and things and deals and, and, um, you know, I'd started, I'd met my wife, my wife would be down the road at that time. And so that, that probably got me a little bit more centered on, I need to do something here. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I, I actually caused me to stay around the, the area there and do my camps. Like I worked all the David Lipscomb camps with Don Meyer. Um, when Don, you know, the old school guys know that was one of the gurus of all gurus. And I was fortunate enough to be able to work camps with him. And um, I was working with Paul Sanford a lot just to stay in that area because I was, you know, I was dating my, what would end up being my wife. And um, Paul had, you know, the women's program at Western Kentucky was going to Final Fours then, all those things. And I was working camps. And, and then when Coach Willard came in at Western, they got introduced me to him. So I worked off his camps and I met uh, Tommy Crean, met Jimmy Christian. We went on, of course, to be coaches all over. They were the young coaches coming in. We were all pups. Um, and I was really probably going to stay in Bowling Green and um, work in the high school system and at Warren Central. And, you know, they were trying to help get that done. And there was connections made, that, you know, at Austin P. And uh, in the midst of all that, and I, I got the, the, the part-time slash GA. It was a third assistant job at Austin P. And so I went straight from from there to uh, that position. So I was at Austin P. I was 22 years old. I was I was coaching at at Austin P. In a in a fair, you know, got and Coach Luce was breaking in his first year. You know, he was going to be the winningest coach in OBC history. I was there with him the first year when he came in, um, and really that it took it from there. You know, I was there for a year and. Um, got my master's and those things. And I was fortunate enough to get on at Missouri University, Missouri Rolla and went to work for Dale Martin. Um, and that was the best division two league in the country then by far. I mean, it was, it, it was really an unbelievable how good that league was and how big the schools were and those things. And I was very fortunate, got the head assistant job. I was 23 then. So it was, I was a couple of years into coaching in college before I was older than all my players. Right. So, you know, I, but I, I got thrown in right away. I was lucky. I was fortunate. I had, some older guys that, that were coaches that for whatever reason thought that I might be good at this and put words in for that, you know, and even kept me going when, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, probably gone and done something else. Uh, you know, there's talk about going to law school. Um, you know, then I talked about some other crazy things that were, that were available to me that I could go to do make a lot of money. There was, there was all sorts of things at that time, man. Um, I was, I was searching uh, a little bit. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of what happened. And, and, and then I was in it. And then once I was in it, I was in it. And, you know, like I said, I was fortunate. Uh, I've been fortunate that I haven't moved a ton. You know, I went from Austin P and then I, and I actually had a couple of lower division one opportunities and I chose uh, Rolla instead. Um, and it was a good choice at six really great years. Uh, I loved it out there. I loved uh, coach Martin. Great guy. Uh, gave me a lot of responsibility. I mean, I got to do basically everything um, while I was there and really learned how to cut my teeth and coach and recruit. And, I mean, I became the head recruiter. I walked out there, man, I'm 23 years old. I'm done. I'm, I'm it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you learn. You learn. I didn't know St. Louis or Kansas City or, you know, Dallas, Texas or, you know, everybody else. I always love when people say, well, he, he doesn't have these contacts necessarily. He has contacts necessarily. Man, if you can't figure out the contacts – you know, whatever job you get, then you shouldn't have that job. I can just tell you real quick. And, and you know, nowadays, 
contacts don't even make that much difference because it's who has the most money. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter whoever comes in that job. You know, if you got the most money, you're the best contact. Right. But, you know, I didn't know, but I, you know, I had to act like I did. <laughs> and uh, that's the truth. Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn on the fly. I learned um, every step of the way. From the time I went to Austin P, uh, now I knew basketball, you know, and, and I'd had a great um, foundation in the fundamentals of basketball and, and, and winning and, and the work ethic and those things. So I had those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, and I understood uh, how you're supposed to treat coach and, 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 you know, handle your business. I think sometimes guys now don't get that. You know, I understood the respect. I, I was talking to my wife the other day. I, you know, I'm friends, obviously, with Coach Luce, and I'm friends with Coach Martin, right, to this day. But I'm 55 years old. I, I've never called them by their first name. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't. We're friends. I mean, it's, you know, now peers or whatever you want to say. Uh, but I, I don't do that. But they, I, I couldn't imagine. You know, it's just ingrained. So it was ingrained then um, when I went there. But I had to figure out how to do everything. You know, but I had to figure out how to do, do everything. I had to figure out how to go get my, you know, water turned on or this done or, you know, first time you buy a house. You know, everything was new and you throw it out in the world. And I laughed because, you you know, I was supposed to be the expert because you're right. a coach. I don't know anything, right? <laughs> I don't know anything. But I never went to stage where I could be the guy that didn't know anything. I had to be the expert. And 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 that's just truth. I mean, you... Uh, it's a unique thing to be coached, especially if you're if you try to do it halfway right. Um, and it's not always going to be easy. I slept on floors. I've, you know, I, I've I've only eaten. I mean, I, I, there's so many things, and I laugh at guys now because they they go, "Oh, you've got it easy." Uh, come on, man, you can live my life. I'll put you back in those shoes if you want. As you went through, but yeah. uh, just different, you know. Um, but I didn't know, and uh, I learned. And some, and luckily, most of the time when I was trying to figure something out, I figured it out pretty quick because you can't fail very often, you know. But I certainly, you know, had things that I, I screwed up and then, you know, okay, that's not going to work. I need to do this. But there's definitely trial and error that went on um, in that. And, and I really think both those guys that I worked for, because they, they, were, they were great mentors, uh, they, were, they were, you know, we didn't even use that term then, but they were. And, uh, but they also, I think they saw something in me. So they let me go, you know, and I tried like heck not to let them down. And, uh, hopefully I didn't, uh, they, they act like I didn't, but you know, that was the freedom of, of, uh, being able to go to work and work. Right. Uh, but I didn't abuse that freedom. I, I that freedom to me was a responsibility, you know, when they let me go and, you know, you got to go recruit, we, you know, I need to get players. And I need to get the right ones that's going to be able to make it here where I'm at, you know, or, okay, you get to run the offense now. Well, I better, you know, I better make sure this works. You know, you're going to run practice today. Well, you, I better be prepared and, and make sure this is, a, this is a tremendous practice. So freedom wasn't an ability not to do work. It was, a, it, it meant more work, yeah. you know, in those days. And I, I think that's vitally important for coaches who want to get in now and you want to be successful. Understand if you want freedom, you're asking for more work. 
Yeah, you you actually answered one of my questions. So one one thing I like to get players and coaches thinking about when I do this is just like those first experiences of walking into new situations. So, I mean, you were hitting on being a, a, a super young coach and having a leadership role in a team, walking into a team where you're looked at as a leader being 22, 23 years old, and you don't know, you know, what's going on or what you need to do, but you know, you had a lot of responsibility. And because of that, you know, you, you had to put the work in, you had to grind, you had to just figure it out, you know, and this is before the days of Google and being able to just to look up something. So, you know, at your fingertips with, um, so I love that you actually touched on that. And, you know, as I, as I think about life and just how things evolve, I think there's a beauty in knowing it, you know, sometimes people say you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and so sometimes it's jumping into something and going full throttle at it without, you know, thinking about the process sometimes leads to a lot of success from people I've I talked to. About that. If, I, if I'd have known everything was going to happen to me beforehand, then a lot of things I wouldn't have done. Uh, you know, I, if I'd have known everything I was going to go through in Southeastern Illinois, and it was a tremendous, you know, experience and things and, and we have great players and great success and but if I knew everything I was going to go through before it started I would have done it yeah. <laughs> I would um but in the back end is it is it good that I did it yeah you know and there's great things that happen but if I but when I started if, they, if I'd have really known this is what was going to happen um so you're, you're absolutely right you just stick your, you make your best decision stick your nose in but you I think you also got we got to get back to hey man I there are no small jobs. Yeah. When I, like I said, when I went to Rolla, now I'm leaving division one, I'm leaving Austin P and I'm going to be the head assistant. And I also had to be the head tennis coach. They attached that. <laughs> right? It wasn't top two leagues in the country. So the tennis was not easy. They we were good. Um, so, but my first job, I come rolling into town, I, you know, uh, as I rolled in, coach was rolling out. He had a date and, uh, he said, you got the kids. So I'm babysitting his kids as soon as I walked in the door. Yeah. First time I met him. <laughs> you know, like now somebody might look at you funny, like, oh, you can't ask me to do that, coach. Well, no, that was not even a thought that I wasn't asked to do that. There was no, you know, there's no job. I'm babysitting the kids. When you're getting back, I don't know. <laughs> you got the kids. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of things like that that, you know, now I think sometimes you deal with guys and it's just, you know, different. Um, we didn't, that we just, we were glad to be there, man. <laughs> that was it. You know, we, we were, uh, we knew there was, there was 200 guys who take our job tomorrow. Uh, so you better be ready to come in here and do whatever they tell you to do and, and get to work. And I, you know, there's, there's things about that, 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 you know, you, that could be abused, I guess, but they really weren't. You just worked, you learned how to work. You know, you, you learn some respect. You learn how things went along. And uh, I can't I can't look back at any of those things like that and think they were bad for me. They were all good for me. Um, in my own personal experiences, I look back and see them. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely see that uh, correlation. Talk about, so you you went from the Division II school to now it looks like you're the head coach at Southeastern. Talk about that process and how you how you landed there. Well, we've been, we were very fortunate. We were really successful at a place that, you know, tremendous school, you know, it was then University of Missouri Rolla. They've now changed the name to Missouri S&T, Missouri Science and Technology. But we were the University of Missouri Rolla then. And uh, in that league, we were, um, 
like Vanderbilt in the SEC, mm-hmm. you know, kind of deal. And and they hadn't had a lot of success. Great kids, great students went on to be, you know, tremendous successes in life. But on basketball court, playing against that league, uh, they had not been very successful. And, you know, I got laughed at a lot on the road at first in recruiting because I'm telling guys, hey, we're, we're the guys I was recruiting, sometimes they said, well, you, you can't get that guy. Well, okay, we, we got some of them. And, uh, you know, we tell them, hey, you know, we're playing on on competing for championships. And, and people laughed. No, no, you're not. And, um, that type thing. But we, by the time it was over, yeah, we, we won that league and hosted NCAA tournaments and, you know, packed the gym. And so we had a great period of time there. And so, you know, you had opportunities. There's some opportunities. But I've been there for six years, which was a pretty good long stint, really enjoyed it. Um, I'd gotten married in that time, my wife, and she'd come out there and worked and she enjoyed it. Um, and we could have stayed there, but, but coach was, uh, what, 10, 11 years older than me, maybe 12. And, um, you know, after we had real success, he wasn't going to leave. Right. I mean, it was kind of one of those moments when he could leave or not leave. And if he left, I think I would have gotten the job and I'm pretty sure I was going to get the job, but, as it was, we stay there and do this and been fine, but you know, he's not going to leave for a long time. And so at that moment, I, you know, what can I do to bet on myself and um, Southeastern presented itself and it was right there on the edge of the Kentucky border, Juco. Um, I can go in there and get some players, coach, be a head coach, win games and, and then, you know, move on. That was the idea. Um, so it was bet on myself job. They hadn't won there either. You know, Southeastern had never been, you know, a national power of any type. And so, okay, I had guys tell me, you don't do it. I mean, at those days, you had a lot of the powers around it. You can't win there. You know, okay. I did anyway. Um, yeah. And they they were paying me decent because I had to teach. And I taught full time. And I, yeah. fought, I taught classroom class. And I really did. I did everything that every full-time teacher there did. I uh, taught health. I taught classroom classes and education program, and I did it all. I mean, it, and then, man, it was uh, something else. But you know, as, you know, you look back, we we got to be tremendously good. Had someone told me I was going to be there thirteen years, <laughs> there's no way in the world um, that that I would have um, ever thought that that was even possible. But um, that's what happened. But it was I took that job as a uh, bet on myself job and um 13 years later i was still there um great friends um my we had our two babies during that time um you know obviously we had great success great players guys that i'm really close with today um you know we kind of built it from nothing you know there's great pride amongst our guys and in, in the way that we did it and what we did kind of got our rep being known who we are we were known to be the toughest smartest you know type guys um, and, um, that all happened there, you know? So, but again, had I known what I was getting into when I went, I wouldn't have done it. You know, if I'd have known what it was going to be like the first two or three years and all the things I was going to actually have to do, uh, and how difficult that that was going to be, um, and how from so far down that that was, but we were able to get players. Like I said, I thought I could get guys from Kentucky and those type areas. I had contacts, um, that would give us a chance to be pretty good, you know, and um, those things turned out to be right. I could, and um, we kind of grew from there. So, but it was a bet on myself job, man. That's how I ended up there. And, 
um, 13 years later, I was still there. Yeah, I've been to the school. So I, <laughs> I'm imagining, you know, you showing up, I can, I can see why you probably said, yeah, I'm not going to be here for 13 years. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually been there one other time recruiting. And it's a true story. Um, you know, it's, you know, how it, is. it sets out of town three miles, you know, just out there in the cornfield. And um, so I, I'd been there looking at another kid. And it, it didn't amount to anything, but I drove in there when I was at, at Rolla to, to watch a kid play. And back in those days, you know, it was still before cell phones. So I drove back into town and I pulled over at a pay phone and was making a call. And I was sitting there talking to my wife and I'm sitting there looking at, you know, in town, I'm going, I got, I can't imagine living here. <laughs> True story. I said, I can't imagine living here. Yeah. Um, but then, like I said, as far as living there, I, you know, I love living there as far as is the living there part. Um, great friends. We live in a great neighborhood. Everybody got behind it. We had a great time. Uh, so you never know. That's one of those, you know, surprise, you know, surprise, surprise. The living part was why I stayed there as long as I did. Um, you know, like I said, we, we got a great group of friends and, and, uh, you know, our quality of, of life there was, uh, was really good in terms of that. Now the work was, was tough. Now the players I had were great and I, I love my guys, but the, the rest of the job was, was really, really challenging every day. But again, it's one of those things. Somebody says, well, I can't do this. I always laugh. Let me list everything that I'm doing today. You know, I used to put the media guy together. Um, you know, they had no assistant. The number of years that we went to, to Hutch, um, full-time teaching all day. We, I had a thousand dollars as my recruiting budget, no recruiting car, uh, no assistant. Um, we can keep going. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, and you do everything, you know, you're yeah. talking about who's study table. Well, I'm just study table. You know, who's, who's, uh, who's calling the media to get them to come to the game. Well, I'm calling the media to go to the game. Yeah. Who's putting the media guy together. I'm putting the media guy together. <laughs> you know, who's doing anything. Yeah. You know, there so now I get guys to look at me like, you know, this is, you know, this is too much. Maybe it's too much. I did all of it. And, and I was a full-time professor. Yeah. I was a tenured full-time. So I have a unique ability also to look at some of the props sometimes when they look at me funny. It's like, I did your job for 13 years. Uh, when I was there, I saw more students than any other teacher on campus, which means I had to grade more papers, do more things. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've, I've seen that, done that and, and lived that. Um, and you know, that's it. Uh, you had to find a way you had to have some ingenuity. Um, and it was a 24 seven job as you can imagine. And if it wasn't a 24 seven job, you ain't going to be any good. I can tell you that. Um, but you know, that's what we did. And you know, I, I don't, I, I'll never be prouder of anything than the 13 years that I spent and what we did and what we accomplished at Southeastern. Like we won a national championship here, you know, and all those things. I, I'm, I, there's nothing that I'm more proud of as far, as far as achievement than the 13 years and what we got done at Southeastern. Um, Cause that was darn near impossible, but, <laughs> but we did it. And we, and we didn't, we didn't cut corners. We didn't bring in bad guys. We, we tried to get good guys. Right. And I think the guys that were there, you look at the quality of the guys that came out of there, they, you know, they'll back that up, you know, and what you see and who they were. And we had chances to take guys that, you know, weren't, weren't our kind of guy. Right. Yeah. And it would have been thought to be easier, but we, we didn't on purpose. I can tell you the guy got in there like that. It was, uh, 
you know, they, they fooled their way in. They didn't stay long. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that's just the truth. And, and, you know, we built it with guys that were great guys. They, they worked their tail off. They, they got better. They improved. Uh, they were hungry. And they, they had every reason to be hungry in most cases, but they actually acted hungry. And that was why they were able to be successful. They, they you know, cool was out. Yeah. So you coached my best friend, Charles Ashford, and I'm mm -hmm. a, I love telling his story because I remember when he first went there and I was in junior college in Wyoming at the time. And I remember after the first game, he called me and he was, you know, pretty upset and emotional because he, he didn't play at all. And mm -hmm. after the first semester, he called me one day and was like, half our team is gone. And so, okay, so Charles didn't play much his first semester at Southeastern Illinois. There's a, something happened. I don't know what happened in the practice, but, you know, you you guys end up losing a handful of guys. Um, mm -hmm. So now Charles has to be, you know, the man of the ship. He has to, he has to step in and play. And then he ends up being a key part of a, of a team that went to nationals that day. I mean, that, that year, you know, you go to Vincennes, he goes with you. He becomes a Juco all American goes to coastal Carolina. I love telling yeah. his story to people um, because he, 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 he dealt with some adversity in that first semester. Do you have another player in mind where it had, where they have like a similar story? Oh, we have lots of those. We really do. I mean, we have lots. Charles's story was, uh, you know, not that unusual. Uh, you know, he came in and, and Charlie, you know, he was trying to put, we're, we're going to move into point guard, uh, you know, which he kind of, I'm not quite sure he really had really played point guard. He kind of played whatever. And, um, you know, Charles, you know how he is. I love him. One my favorite guy, you know, <laughs> Charles can get a little moody, you know, <laughs> and it didn't go great for him at first. And so he was kind of in a little mood, you know, and he didn't, you know, he really didn't take it on. Um, and just kind of sit back in. I don't know if he was waiting, just you're going to get it handed to you or what was going to happen here. Uh, so the first semester was kind of that way. So, no, he didn't play much. Uh, he was very much in the background. And, um, and you know, if you went and watched practice, he should have been. Um, that That's just the way it is at our place. Whatever you get, you earn. But we had some guys in there that probably didn't need to be there. Um, and that kind of, as it always does, it comes out in the wash. And as it did, he, he had opportunities. But, you know, he didn't he didn't jump right in there right away because he had to. He, he was still coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. When it turned for Charles is when, as it does for most players, when Charles decided, I'm going to grip my teeth here and go to work, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm going to fight for it and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to compete for it. And then when he did that, it changed and we needed somebody to do it. So we had opportunity because we needed someone to do it. You know, he might have been behind All-American and he might have tried to do it. And it might, he may not have played. Right. Well, he wasn't. And he had an opportunity. And, um, you know, when those two things met, it all changed for Charles. And, and you know, by the end, you know, he was playing 40 minutes a night, but he earned, but he should have been playing 40 minutes a night. He had earned. If he wasn't playing, he shouldn't have been playing. And I think that's the lesson on that. If we're in Charles, and once he did, it's amazing what can happen because here's a guy that wasn't playing on a team that early, we were not playing up to our standards at all, you know, where we had been mm -hmm. at that point because we had, we had been good for a while now. Charles was coming at the back end of our time at Southeastern, and that team was not very good early. 
we had some guys hurt also that were that were good players for us. There were and some of them were playing hurt, and then we just had some some things floating around there that didn't need to be. Well, once all that got cleared out, Charlie starts playing. Well, Charlie ends up being and and the region that year was tremendous. You had guys. Uh, was Derek Jones was a point guard that goes to UCLA and is an excellent player at UCLA. And uh, one of the Dunson kids went to Arizona State, was at Wabash, you know, talking about point guards in the league. Yep. By the time we got to the district tournament, Charles was the best point guard in the district tournament yep. um, and played great at the national tournament. Uh, and we got to where we were probably, you know, we ended up top five in the country uh, at the end. And we were not in the vicinity of being that the first half of the year. So you see how much changes when you, you know, the attitudes change, right? And the things that are in the way get out of the way. It's amazing how much difference can be made. And it wasn't only in just Charles, but in the, the entire team. But that, to me, it was an epitome of what we see a lot of times. And, you know, that was in, then Charlie went with me to Vincennes, and we had to clean up some things there when we got in. Uh, and, you know, and Charles's year was the one year when we really weren't great. We weren't bad. We weren't great. And we took off after that, unfortunately. For Charles, um, you know, if he'd have played on our teams later here at Vincennes, he would have been part of all these things that we've done then too. But you know, he had to he had to go through that transition with me when we were we that move. But but it was good for Charles. Charles went from a guy that had not played. Uh, it wasn't playing. It wasn't well. You know, wasn't very highly recruited coming out of high school. That's why he was with us at Southeast. To you know, the time he left, he had you know several Division One opportunities. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, that's what happens for you in JUCO if you get to the right situation, the right thing, and, and your attitude gets right. Because Charles could have been all those things, but if his attitude stayed exactly as it was the first semester, he wouldn't have had any success. I mean, it would have stayed exactly the same. Um, so, you know, we've had a number of guys like that, and and um, Charles is definitely one of them that, that turned those things and turned them around and figured it out and figured it out pretty quick. And, um but I love Charlie. Charlie's gone on to be a successful person. So that's what, that's what matters. Yeah. So w w with all the other players that I've spoken to, I, I always talk to them about the, you know, the fit on a team and having the right opportunity and situation, but you just hit on having the right attitude as well. Cause like you said, you can have the right fit and things, but if your attitude is all, is all off and you're not willing to put in the work, you're, you're still not going to be successful. No, well, if, if you'll never know if the fit's right, if your attitude's not right. Right. And you can still be successful in a place where the fit isn't right if your attitude's correct. Mm -hmm. But you can be at the perfect place and your attitude's wrong and it won't work. So, um, it's, you know, the attitude of, of work and uh, toughness and taking it on and sticking your nose in there and, you know, um, and, and being happy in the moment of what you got. Cause that's what you got. I mean, you know, you, especially if you're talking about being a Juco guy, you know, once you're there, you can sit there all day and go, well, I ain't got this and I ain't got that. We don't have this, you know, this is, this sucks. Or, you know, you can do that all day if you want, you know, that that's easy. Or you go, Hey, I'm in a situation here, man, where, you know, we, we get to and compete every day. People are going to watch us. If we get good. Right. I got opportunities, you know, if I got a coach has any, he's trying, you know, hey, if he's trying, it's good. I'm Whatever. Look for what you've got if you're in it. Because this is this was the best you could do in the moment or you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, and if you want better, then you know what? You better do better. <laughs> right. That, that's really it. Yeah, uh, keep it simple, right? 
especially once you're in JUCO, because hey, we're we're the last stop. Yeah. And 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 I say that is is I'm going to be remembered as a JUCO guy no matter what I do forever. That's that's me now. I'm I'm JUCO guy no matter what happens. And so nobody's more JUCO than I am. Yeah. But see, that is JUCO. Right. JUCO is realizing, hey, this is it. There is no more looking around. All right. I got to get it done now. Yeah. So you sure better make sure your attitude is right. And why wouldn't your attitude be right? Because if you don't do it now, then, you know, that's it. You, you've run out. Now, the beautiful thing about JUCO is if you then if you do it well, though, you know, doors might open up that are amazing. Like we have guys go over here to Kentucky or we got guys that end up being pro. We got division one guys, you know, about 150 of them or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, so think of all the doors open and what changed and, you know, the life changing event, right. That can happen in this small amount of time, but you also have only that small amount of time to do it. That's it. It's all on the line here. So I, I say to players, and it's not just to say on myself, you, you better hope you're with a guy that's very demanding. Yeah. Because you have a lot to do right now. If you're there and really plan on getting it done, he's not making it where you have a lot to do. No, you have a lot to do. He's just, he, he may care enough and knows enough. He's trying to get you to do it. So for all those guys out there, all those players, if you're playing in some program that's not demanding, especially if you're a Juco guy, then you're probably already doomed yeah. because you've got a lot to get done in a short amount of time. And if you don't get it done, there's not another option after this is it. You know, you might bounce around other JUCOs, but eventually if you don't get it done in JUCO, well, that's it. And for some guys, they can't afford for it to be. That's it. And, and, you know, I've always tried to coach that way that, Hey, they've told me that they've got to make it. And I can see where they really need to make it. And so that's the way I've tried to coach. That all right, we're all in this thing, it's what we're doing. All right. So if you if you don't mean it, don't be here. If you do, okay, we're gonna to try to provide you with that path that if you can actually get this done, right? You will get there. And we're not gonna set the terms so so low that there's no way you're gonna make it there. You know, you're meeting my terms, but those those won't get you there. So uh, I think all players need to understand that, man. Like I get guys that look at me and, and I say this to them, like they want me to change what it takes to be successful. I don't get what it takes. Like I don't get to determine how much you have to study to pass your college algebra. I, I, I don't do that. You know, you can't look at me and go, I say, well, you know, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to study at night. You, you don't, you know, one hour a week or, you know, I, well, you can study three hours just like Charlie is over here, and Charlie's getting an A, you know, but you're studying three hours, you're getting an F. Well, you know, uh, I can't change it, Yeah. right? <laughs> how much does it take to win? You know, how hard do you have to work to be in shape enough to stay in front of the other team's best player? How hard do you got to work to you know, beat a ball screen, right? Um, you know, and not to just be one of the guys that can be able to compete. Can you beat people? you know, and make these guys want, want you at the next level, right? Can you get something done? Um, I don't set that standard of what that is. I just know what it is. I mean, I've been in it. I know. I know what it takes to give you an opportunity. And there's no guarantee if you do lay it all out there that you'll make it. But we want to do everything, try to, to give you a chance to do it. But 
this idea of looking at me like I'm making it too hard, like what we're doing is an excess. It isn't an excess. And you can look at the finish line and the guys that we've got across and got those opportunities, you know, like a Charles. If Charles does a little bit less, Charles doesn't make it. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't make it. He, he doesn't have an excess. You know what I mean? Yeah. He got across that line to where he had all these opportunities, right? But he'd been a little bit less over the course of time. Then he wouldn't have had them. They, would, they wouldn't have been there. So, um, and so there's not an excess very often. You don't have guys that are, that are that, whether it's in class, whether it's getting their bodies right, whether it's game right, your team right. Um, and, and I'd tell every player this too. If you really want to be recruited, win. Yep. Win. Here's all. Win. So you need to make sure that you're trying to help your team, uh, your coach, whatever coach is doing, because it's the only one you got. Whatever he's trying to get done, you need to help him. You know, if he's trying to get this team to do whatever, your best bet is that you help him get that done, because that's the best chance you have to win. And you better hope he's good, right? Because if he's not, well, you may be screwed anyway. But do whatever you can to get your team to win because the better you win in Juco, the better opportunities you have. Yeah. People recruit winners. You know, all those guys we got recruited for all those years at Southeastern, the rep was that they worked really hard, they were coachable, they were tough, right? But they won. If we had won a little less, those guys wouldn't have got recruited. Uh, or they wouldn't have got the same level of recruitment, the same opportunities. We won. Heck, when Dante Smith goes straight to the NBA for me, he's a great player. We had great teams while he was there for two years, right? That, those opportunities, you know, didn't happen if we're just pretty good. We were, you know, one, two in the country the whole time. Well, now, you know, it, it rises all of us, right? And there's guys that we have now that are highly successful people who got scholarships because our team was really, really good and they were at the bottom of our team, say, talent-wise. But they got scholarships and opportunities and got to go to college and do things that they wouldn't have been able to do um, and have turned it into very successful lives. That had we not been, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship good, they wouldn't have got scholarships. They, they, they wouldn't have happened. And, and their life would have been not the same. And their kids' lives wouldn't have been the same. So everything you do you should be working every day more worried about what am i doing to make sure my team is going to win because if you do because I, I tell these guys all the time i get the head coaches call me you know they don't ask me what this guy averages they never ask me what a guy they may ask me can he score you know can he do they don't ask me what he averages and they call me a whole lot more often when we're in final fours and elite eights and national championships and they call me on guys that lower down the rung right yeah. And higher levels call. You know, and I've had a lot of guys that come off the bench to go to Division One. Well, why? Because we went to Final Fours, we're Elite Eights. You know, we're, we're, we're playing for national championships. And, um, and our guys play really hard. You know, that's the next thing. If you want the next level, I'd suggest to everybody, if, you, if they're worried about recruiting, is, hey, play hard. Play hard. Respond to coach properly. You know, Present yourself on the court correctly because the world's not going to tell you that they're still watching that stuff. They're watching that stuff because it's hard to find those guys. And if you do it, you and then you're on a winning team, if you can combine those two things, man, you jump up. Yeah. It's amazing how much you jump up 
if you're that guy. It busts his tail. You can tell he's coachable, right? Presents himself properly, and then he's winning. I mean, he's he's going to go a level or two higher just from doing those things. So those are the things that that player should be concentrated on every day after doing this for – this is my 26th year of JUCO. You know, and I've been in Division One, I've been in Division Two. I played NEI, so I've been all over the gamut, man. You know, um, I've been the the JUCO that's out in the cornfield, and I've been the JUCO here at Vincent. It's supposed to be, you know, the power, but yeah. but hadn't hadn't won a national championship in forever before we did it. You know, I, I've I've been all those. I've been to big time academic school at Rolla, right? And then you coach JUCO for all these years, and um, I think those are absolute truisms. You know, that those and the experience is always so much better when the players concern themselves what I just said. And they always do better. They don't think they will. But when they're just worried about all this other stuff about themselves, that doesn't really matter. Right. And they're worried about what do I got to do instead of what can I do? Um, you know, they're not as happy. My guys that, that really came in bus tail and, and worry about us winning and are coachable and 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 buy into that and immerse into it. The, the little secret that we've lost over time, man, is those guys are the happiest guys. And those yeah. teams are the happiest teams. And they stay together for years after, right? So it's not – everybody acts like some of those things are, are sacrifices. They're not sacrifices. They're what makes it good. And we've lost that somewhat, you know, over the years. You know, trying to get that players have lost that in this in this very individualistic deal it is now. And the truth is they've lost things as individuals. They don't have as good of an experience, right? Yeah. As as the guy would in the past when it was more team, team, team. So yeah, at the end of the day, you know, your team needs to be good for you to get all those individual things anyway. I mean, who who gets the individual awards? The teams that win. Right. Where your all Americans come from, that's where your all region comes from, that's where your all district comes from, right? That's where the majority of people get recruited. Um, so to worry about anything other than um, the pursuit of your team winning and everything I can do to do that and helping coach to do that and help my teammates to do that, it's just going to be kind of productive for yourself anyway. Yeah. Um, I have a podcast coming. Uh, I have a podcast episode coming out where it's just me talking, and I'm kind of hitting on what you just said. My best year in college basketball was my junior year, and you know I spent the first two years of my college career, you know, moaning, blaming the coach, having the right at it, having having the wrong attitude, not putting in the extra work, etc. Um, but it wasn't until my junior year, and I had actually fallen out of the rotation because I had gotten hurt at the beginning of the year, I had some knee tendonitis. I missed like the first five games and we had a really special team. And, um, you know, we had a team that was, was about to make it to nationals and something clicked in my mind where it, it became not about me anymore because I wanted to be a part of something bigger. And, and I knew that if we made nationals, it wouldn't matter who scored the most. It wouldn't matter who got all the most accolades. They were, they were going to remember the team made it to nationals this year. So I actually took pride in being, you know, the 12th man on the team. And my, and my teammates would joke with me and say like, Hey, Kim, you're the best 12th man in the nation. And I took pride in thinking that, you know, if, if, if our guys can guard me in practice and they should have no problem guarding the next best player. So I showed up every day to practice wanting our guys to be as prepared as possible for that, you know, region championship game or whatever. And I remember when we lost that game, I had like probably as much sadness as all the people that played, 
just because I wanted it so bad for our team. But yeah, even though like my junior year was the year I played the least, but that was like my best year in college, which, you know, if you say that to other people, they would think that was crazy. Well, that's what it is. I mean, you're, you're hitting it right there. Uh, that, that, that's all my life of being in basketball, which has been my whole life. Um, that's true. Players that, that are going to get anything from it, that's where they get it from. And that's when the ones that have the great years and are happy. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have, have been a part of a lot of really good teams with really good people and really good players. And now we're having, you know, 25th anniversaries of, you know, championship teams and things like that, where you go back, I'm getting old enough now that, you know, you have, and again, it's all just about that, you know, that, that, that playing for each other, playing to win, you know, putting it all out there, caring about that. And when it's over, ain't nobody remembers the stats. Yep. You know, we were sitting at a 25th anniversary of our championship team at Rolla this last summer there. Everybody comes back, all successful people. And, you know, we know who could score. We didn't, there wasn't one mention of, well, you know, Timmy Holloway, who's now the, you know, the president of Bradley Beal. Uh, Timmy Holloway average X number. Nobody's, nobody's talking about that. It doesn't right. come, man. You know, that doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Right. And it's not that, you know, a good player won't, won't get a bunch of points or whatever. It's just doing it to win. Do it to win. Right. And if you do it to win, also, you're going to get the respect of your teammates, which 25 years later, if it was done right, that's what you're going to care about. You know, we're sitting there having our 25th anniversary of the championship team. It's a great example. You know, there's fans that come around and people come up and pat you on the back and they remember and tell their stories, right? But who do you care about in that group that you care, respects? It's each other. Right. Do you want the respect of the other guys, especially the other guys that you know put it out there? 25 years later, that's all that matters. Yep. You know, that was all that made any difference. Um you just don't you don't understand that in the moment sometimes, but if you can get to where you can understand it, you're gonna give your team and yourself a lot better chance for success and a lot better chance for happiness. Uh and maybe maybe a better chance to be able to do those things 25 years down the road when you're having those reunions. And um those are pretty special, man. They really are. Uh, and that and and to me, that's the only thing at the end of the day that really matters. I mean, like, if you're an NBA guy, you're going to be an NBA guy. I've had two guys that have played in the NBA, right? And you work, you do all that same work, that's going to lead you there. That's, that's going to get you there more often anyway. Or go play. We've got people play all around the world. And, and they get to play more and stay with those teams more because they know how to fit into a team and be that type of guy. You're always going to have a better chance of being successful wherever you go with that. You know, it's just it just is. But So there's no downside to it. Uh, it's just hard to get – guys to that now because they have not had those same experiences coming up yeah we have so many players good players good guys but they've not been through that that way and so trying to get them um to understand what it takes to be in that and really do that to get across that line you know sometimes it's difficult now you know now once they get across it y'all they're all they're they're happy they did you know but getting them across that line is it has gotten harder it really has. It's gotten harder over the last number of years. And, and you get a lot of guys now that quit or fold up before they can get to the good stuff. And, you know, there's, there's always a little bit of work and, and, uh, and, and some tough things you got to go through sometimes to get to that, that good stuff. And sometimes we just, we're, we're, we're giving in 
right before we can get to that stuff that we really wish we had. Yeah. Uh, coach, I, I want to respect your time, but there's, there's two, um, there's, there's two more things I want you to talk about. So in 2019, you no, sorry. In 2018, you, you are awarded with the um, junior college hall of fame, which, you know, for many people in a career that can be seen as the pinnacle, but then you follow up that hall of fame um, inductee by winning the championship the next year and probably having your most successful year as a coach, just from an award standpoint in 2019. Can you talk about those two? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the hall of fame is great. Um, you know, makes you feel old. <laughs> this man. Uh, That's a legacy you know, award, right? You know, you walk in and your name's up on the banner up there for Hall of Fame. You're going, what your people ask, what does that make you feel like? They feel old. That's what it makes <laughs> you feel like. Uh, it can't be me, man. It was just yesterday I was the, you know, the young guy at Austin P. But, um, you know, yeah, it's it's it's, it's tremendous to get the award, but it's, we had great players. We had good guys that busted their tail, and I, I hope they all um, – feel great pride in that. Uh, and I think a lot of them do, you know, we had a lot, especially a lot of the guys from back in the Southeastern days, you know, that, that reached out and we stayed in contact forever anyway, but they reached, they reached out about that because they know where we came from. They know how, you know, and they know how we did it. Yeah. And so, you know, the pride in that is too, is I think we tried to do it right. You know, we tried to do it right with the right guys. We tried to get guys to, to, to do the right things. We tried to get guys to stay away from the wrong things and, tried to get them to get through school correctly and, you know, go on and, and, and be good guys and good husbands and fathers and those types of things. It was something we tried to do. And um, so to be successful and, 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 and be respected in that way and get those things, you know, uh, was great, but, it, but it'll only be as good as, as the players that played for me like it, you know, uh, but it, that was great. Uh, it was great to go in with Coach Herkelman from Coffeeville that same year. We've been contemporaries coming up against each other, and great respect for him. And so the two of us going at the same time, that was, that was you know, during their perfect. Um, and then, you know, we've come so close, and, and, and uh, over the years, just beat on that door, beat on that door to win it. I mean, we've been there and always been really good and going to huts and making deep runs. And, you know, the team would beat us, be a heck of a game, and they'd win the national title, you know, that type thing. Uh, it was great to get all the way through. Um, it was a good team to do it with. They were good guys. I thought they were the best team in the country all year. And, um, you know, we went through a really tough road to win it, beating the the, tech, the three straight Texas teams at, and, uh, and Moberly before that, the national tournament. We, we, we got nothing given to us. But I think by the end of the year, it was one of those years where it was no question we were the best team in the country. So when you win it, you like to, you know, anytime you win, it's great. But, to win it and put the exclamation point on what had been an all-time period. You know, we went to Hutch nine years in a row. Nobody ever done that. Wow. So to put that, to put that national championship on it, um, you know, and, and get from the players after the guys that had come close, like Pun Tisdale, the Lexington guy, mm -hmm. you know, Pun, man, you talk about a guy getting unlucky who deserved, uh, you know, the two years before that, 2017, 2018, 2017, we were 32 and two and we played the number one team in the country in the quarterfinals. And, you know, pun puts us up in an ungodly game. One of the great games played out there and pun puts us up, has a tremendous day that day and gives us the lead. And then they hit a 35 footer uh, in front of their bench to beat us. Wow. Uh, 
fist that we win, I think would put us in the final four, and I think we would have won it. Then that was his freshman year. Then his sophomore year, we were 34-1 and one and, and in the semis and looking like we had a great chance to win it. We had lost a starting wing injured, you know, during that season, or I don't think it'd been any doubt. But we're 34-1, Pun's playing great. And um, we got a horrific whistle in the second half of the game versus CSI. I mean, I'm going to say a whole lot about things, but that was horrific. And all the way down to the end, Pun has a has a has a three. We're down two, and they foul him. Hit him on the arms, clearly. Ball goes five feet, you know, hits him around the elbow. They, they don't near the ball. Uh, he bent the line shooting three free throws. So it's down two uh, in the last seconds. Instead, no call, and we lose. Wow. So we had just come off back-to-back years where really – we just as easily could have won it as not really frustrating, you know, things, 35 footer hits, losing number one, uh, you know, horrible whistle the entire second half and a horrible no call in the game. against a guy who did not deserve that at all in Pun Tisdale. And um, then the next year to bust through, you know, and, and win it and win it in style. Um, you know, it just, there's just a let loose of all the, Emotions, it's hard to describe to somebody. Um, but it was great because it was great. And it was great because of the reaction of all those type of guys, all those guys that had beat on that door and done it right and come so close and built all that. But they always had to say, well, you know, where is this? Is this the best program in the country? Is it? Now, our guys wanted to be able to say, we're the, we're the best. Yeah. Um, to win it took all the stuff up because I always go, well, you've done everything, but you hadn't done that. Now, when we did that, there was no more but. Yeah. That was where our guys could walk around and go, yeah, we're the best. You know, and those guys that had come close to their final fours and their elite eights, now many even more, if that makes sense. Because now it's like, hey, all this collection of things that we've done right now, we put the cherry on top of the Sunday and you can't say nothing anymore. And, and our guys I, expressed that to me. You know, from, from waves back, you know, all had the same thoughts. So that was the good stuff about that. I mean, that, that was the good stuff was the reaction of all the players. Um, all of our team we that we fought so hard to build this this basketball family that those guys it, it how it made them feel. You know, I had guys talking about watching the game on TV and you know crying in the room and locking the room up and not letting anybody in there and they're screaming at the TV. You know, there's all <laughs> you know, Coach Ben, I locked up. They thought I was crazy. You know, yeah. <laughs> screaming guys that you know played 20 years ago for them. you know. Uh, there was just literally dozens and dozens and dozens of those those stories that were hitting me over that next week you know everybody calling in wanting to tell you know where they were what they were doing how it made them feel so you know that was that was really good it it, it hard to top that you know and but that's what made it good the other things that other people might think that that's 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 not what made it good was that yeah, and I expect as a coach, you just feel that double that double cup of emotion because you know what you have put into the game to get to that point, but also wanting that and wanting your players to experience that as well. Um, you know, you have you have the personal achievement for yourself, but also wanting it for all the other guys. I could just see that being like a like I said, a double cup of emotion. We all have egos. If you're, if you're not, if you don't have an ego, you're not going to be guys that's going to be winning all the time. I mean, so, you know, the guys that act like they don't have any ego are just, you know, they're lying. Yeah. But there's a point in time when, you know, you kind of done all those things that satisfy that one way or the other, right? 
and and now you're not really doing it for the same reasons when you started. Yep. Uh, you know, you, you realize too, who am I proving anything to? You know, I, I need to prove to myself I could coach. I've already done that. You know, and so I don't care what anybody thinks. So there's there, you, once you get to that stage, then it then it really is the point of, you know, about the guys you're with and the guys who've been with you. Cause that's really all matters. Like you, like, I don't care if somebody says I'm the smartest coach in the world any more than I care if they say I'm the dumbest. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I'm you past that. It yeah. doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not going to get excited because you think I'm great today. Right. Because I'm also not going to get upset if you think I'm stupid tomorrow. It, it, <laughs> it, you know, I don't, it, it, so it really, and I know, and I realize the other thing I think, and I think coaches, there's a point where you, if you can get to this point, it can help you some is that I know what I'm done. Ain't nobody going to care. Um, you know, I mean, they're going to forget whatever I'm doing, you know, um, in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So the only thing that's going to make any difference and it truthfully, and this is not some hokey thing to be said, but it's true. The only thing that's going to make any difference is what did these guys that played for me, what did they end up getting out of it? And could it, did it help their lives? And then more importantly, did it help their kids' lives? Mm -hmm. mm. If it helps their kids' lives, it's worthwhile. If it doesn't help their kids' lives, then it wasn't worthwhile. And, it, and that's the only thing that's going to live on, the only thing that's going to matter. And, uh, you know, that's the thing my wife and I, we, we talk about, and the, and the thing she would tell you if she was on the air is that, you know, what get what keeps you going, what keeps you coming back next year is you'll, you'll have all these guys send the pictures of their family vacations and, you know, their lives are completely different in a lot of these guys' cases than than uh, than what they would have been or were, you know. And they'll send us all this stuff constantly. We get all the, the like I said, all the family vacations that they didn't get, or this thing or that thing. or You know, people have gone on to be very successful professional people that may not have been, you know, um, and how that's impacted their, their kids' lives. And we're, we're, we're seeing that now. And whatever little point we may have played in that, when they tell you that it did, um, that's the only thing that's going to matter. You know, how many I win? Like, you know, guys that stay in this business say, well, I got to get my 900th win. Who cares? Yeah. You know, I got a ton of wins. It ain't going to make any difference what that number is, but it's over. Right. No one's going to care except you. You're the only person in the world that's truly going to care that you won 900. Or did you win 750? I don't know. Don't care. Uh, and I can guarantee you nobody else does. Um, I, I've, I've got that realization a long time ago. And so if there was one thing left to do, though, that you wanted, that you would like to do, it was when it was finish it up and win the national title. We'd done everything else. But by the time I did it, it really wasn't so much, you know, I got one. It would have been at one point in my life. But it was more, hey, we all got one. So all these dudes, you know, that played before, you know, they they can say, hey, we got no more. We got no more things you can say about us, right? We've done everything now, and now we have really done everything. And so by the time I won it, then when we we won it, the time we won it, that was more of my emotion. And it it had happened really early in my career. It would have been different been excited for the team, you know, and et cetera, but also, Hey, you got one. By the time I won it, it really wasn't that it was, we got one, you know, and we don't have to listen to any more of this stuff up. Well, you've done everything but this. And for all these players and, and my, and my enjoyment was that talking to the former guys, 
even as as much enjoyment as there was with the guys that won it that year, I probably had more enjoyment talking to the former guys who'd been through and battled and fought and they come so close and had done so many great things, but they always got a butt with their great things. Like I've been, you know, I've been to final four in elite eight, like, you know, if you're pun Tisdale, but there's a butt, right? Yeah. Now there's no butt on our, on our basketball family. It's gone. Right. We've done all of it. We don't have to, we don't, we've done it all now, which means it, those guys could take that off. They didn't have to hear it anymore. You know, we've done it all. So it's just when, when it happened, was was uh, a different stage of my life than I would have been at a different, you know, earlier, and, and how how I processed that, how you felt it, you know, truthfully, that that was where the that's where the joy and and, uh, and satisfaction came from, and and again, if it'd been happened to me uh, with that very first team, we went to Hutch with Dante and those guys, we came so close to winning it, um, way back in the day, the first trip we made. And we won at that time, I probably would have had a different way of feeling about it, you know, and look, it's just different when it happened. Um, but that's, that's what happens when you get old, man. <laughs> as I've, as I've studied, um, you know, business leaders, people in leadership, uh, coaches and successful players, it just seems like once they stop worrying about that, the outcome and all the awards and the wins and, the money, whatever, it seems like once they focus on the process and focus on what keeps them motivated, like you said, like, you know, does it, does what you're doing help your players, kids, or just focusing on your why that, that seems to be, to be when people experience um, breakthrough. Yeah. I think, you know, more important than that, I think, you know, when you're doing it, um, if you're doing it right or not, Yeah, you know, or what you at least think it is, you could be wrong, but you, you have to believe it's right. And, you know, I think there's in this business, there's, there's a tremendous ability to sell out. I mean, there's a tremendous, uh, it's, you know, most, most of the time that that's going to be the easy thing and, and guys get rewarded for doing it all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think it's hard at the end of the day, you can, you can like what you get, you can walk around, but do you really feel great about it when you know down deep inside? I I really had to cut a lot of corners to do this. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a big thing, you know. And you you try to cover it up with a bunch of other mess and things and deals, but you know, at the end of the day, do you feel great about it? Do you know? You can tell everybody you're the greatest coach in the world, but you know, you know what you did. Yeah, to get this, <laughs> you know what you did, right? Yeah. Anybody else does, and you can you can deny and hide it. What did you do? Did you did you cut the corners that you consider to be, you know, wrong? You try to justify it, but you know, and I think in coaching a lot of times that's that's big. Can you get to the point to where you know you're you're doing it the way that that you feel like it should be done? And so then, if you have success and you're doing it the way you feel like it should be done, then you can then you can feel good about it. And I think that's a bigger issue if you if you really want to be truthful, you know, than all that other. It's just that. It, can you as a coach and it's very difficult man it's it's very difficult to do it now and not cut all the corners because they it's everything in the world pulls you in ways to cut corners all types of corners right like you know i i shouldn't put up with this from these guys right it shouldn't it, the discipline isn't right or you know i'm you know i'm cheating to get a player or you know i'm whatever right yeah. um and you know all those things when you do them. and um but there's 
the guys that don't do those things though now, man, it's hard to stay employed. So you're you're constantly in a battle of that. It's not even just am I going to win, but man, you know, trying to do it really right uh, with what you think is right um, becomes very difficult in today's basketball athletics period, but basketball in particular, it's it's very very difficult to do. Um, and then you know, whenever you, you you try to do things that way and they don't work out, you know, you learn real fast that people really don't. Most people really don't care if you do it right. They just want you to win. Yeah. And you will find that out very quickly as soon as you have a, a, any downturn. And so, you know, for coaches, that's, that's difficult. And it, but it's real is that everything around you is going to tell you, yeah, you do things right. But then they're also really going to tell you, don't, don't do them right. Don't do them right. Because, you know, we got to, we got to win. And how are you going to win if you, if you stay on this course here? Um, and so it's a, it's a challenge. I, 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 I don't envy the young coaches today. Guys, you got to start out right now. I'd start back out again at 22, knowing what I know and how it is. It would be hard to sustain and do it for a long time now. Um, the way that it, the way it's set up. So I don't, I don't always have the greatest advice to give young guys getting in, you know, because, some of the advice you give them uh, may very well get them fired. Yeah. You know, if you're telling them the truth uh, of what, you know, you think is right, what you ought to try to do. And um, so it's, you know, it's hard. You tell them, you tell them what they need to do to, to get up the ladder and make money. Uh, or do you tell them, you know, the things that, you know, you, you believe in in coaching. Uh, if you do the things you believe in in coaching, there's a real possibility as crazy as that is that you, you won't, get up the ladder and you won't last very long. And so, you know, we've got some problems when it comes to the profession um, at this point. And um, I think that's, that's me and that's, that's my opinion. And that's why I have that opinion, but hopefully, hopefully the, the young guys will be able to master this thing. Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, a definitely, I think I'm, I'm the, like the last line of the old guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look back and you look at the guys a little bit younger and it's just a different world um, than, than what I broke into, you know, the guys that trained me, uh, the, the, the people you watched that were on the road that were the vets then, you know, coaches, when you got out there, when I first started, uh, it's a very different feeling world out there now than, than it was then good or bad, but, but is it, is it very, very different? Yeah, it, it's very different. And so, you know, I have a hard time giving guys great advice. Sometimes people ask me, but it's 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 difficult um, knowing what you know to 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 advise guys um, on on how to do this thing or or what to do. And you think when you're at this position in life, you'd be able to really give them really great advice. Um, but um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be the right way to handle things. But I do think that you have a hard time uh, really feeling good about what you're doing if if you're doing things that that you know. As, as a head coach, especially, that you've compromised. It's your program, your deal, right? You can't look around anywhere else. Uh, you can justify it, but you still got to live with it. Yeah. Coach, well, this time has flown by. I really appreciate your time. I feel like I was just a student sitting at your feet as you were dropping gems, dropping nuggets. So it's been an honor to uh, 
have you on. And like I said, um, when I, when I called you, I feel like I've known you for a little bit just because of, um, I know some of the players that you've coached and have heard your name in a lot of circles and it's been, it's been fun to see your success. And, um, yeah, I just can't, I just can't thank you enough, sir. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Good luck with this. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon.